Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Ali, we're going to talk to Anya about her first experience getting fired by a client. I know. And we were talking about this. We don't think we've had this come up on the podcast before, which is kind of shocking because it is so common. We've talked about, you know, having to refer out um, and things like that. But it, unless we're mistaken, because we have had 38 episodes, I think this will be. It comes, you know, it hasn't come up yet, but we are so excited to talk about it. It is normalized, like it's normal for it to happen. Mm-hmm. We cannot be the right therapist for every person. And that can be a difficult pill to swallow because it can feel personal. It feels like you're a bad therapist. It feels like you did something wrong, but we know in reflection, that's not the case. I would argue it is personal. Like they're personally not yes. responding to us as their therapist, but which is okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we get into Anya's experiences that I think everyone listening can relate to, whether you are a client or a therapist, this is just a friendly reminder that this episode is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself. All right. Well, this is episode number 38 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Anya. I know we know each other through the network, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Happy Friday. Yeah, we are recording this on a Friday. Happy Friday to everyone. And Monday, if you're listening to this on premiere day. But so before we get into your extremely relatable, extremely common situation that made you question and makes me question whether I'm a bad therapist when I encounter this, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Anya? Okay, so my name's Anya. I am a registered mental health counseling intern in the state of Florida. So I'm still working towards my licensure and all of that, doing my hours. Um, I work as a victim advocate at a local police department in my community, working with victims of crime, providing crisis counseling intervention on scene, in person, things like that. And then I also work under my supervisor's practice, my qualified supervisor um, in the pyro practice sector. 
as well, which I enjoy a lot. She's actually my supervisor since the beginning, my practicum days and all. Mm. So she's part of the story. Like that's who I'll be referring to as my supervisor. Like it's actually her. That's so, amazing. Yeah. How lucky are you that you got a good supervisor right off the bat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is the story? Also, I could just listen to you probably forever talk about the work you're doing in the community. It sounds fascinating. So we're going to have to talk about that thank another you. time. Not today, because we want to know what is the story that made you question if you were a bad therapist, what happened? Okay, so I was working with this 12 year old juvenile client female. She was presenting with anxiety and um had her dad had um, some her dad wasn't in her life anymore so I knew that that was something that affected her life in that those adolescent years so but it's not something that we had talked about immediately because this client actually got transferred to me um I was after practicum semester so this is then now my second semester of internship so I had already had my feet wet was starting to work with clients mostly on my own instead of just like coat therapy and shadowing and such. And I was like, okay. And I was really, really excited to work with this client. It was a really good transfer and everything like that because the intern was graduating. So it wasn't because of anything else. So um, we were working together. We were still building rapport with each other. So it was still very, very early on. Um, but I could tell that she was very to herself, Tim, it's still, you know, in the building report stage, just still getting used to each other. Um, so it was hard to jump into wherever she left off as far as treatment, because it, it was like kind of starting mm-hmm. over again, which I was completely understanding and empathetic about. And then one day she opened up about something relating to her relationship with her dad at the very end of the session. And I, I didn't, I usually, I always make extra time if I'm in room, if I need to, like, I think we like still like, I don't think it was like the next, it was like, I think going on five o'clock. That was at the end of the day. I don't think it was like exactly five o'clock, but I did have like a couple minutes to get ready for the next session. Cause I had a session afterwards. Mm-hmm. So uh, if not, I would have made some extra time to process that as much as we could before we can touch base about it in the next session. But I tried to summarize and reflect as much as I could in that time, in that moment in time. Um, And I did say, I have a a following session. I said that at the very end, but I was like, we're going to pick, pick up from not exactly pick up from there, but we're definitely going to touch base about this in our next session next week. Um, Unfortunately, I do have to uh, have some, I have to have another session now. Um, And I thank her for sharing etc cetera, etc cetera. and everything I thought everything was okay well I had a good feeling because we always have like a little bit of a good mm-hmm. feeling but I was trying to be positive because I was I felt like I did everything I could as far as my skills at that moment and things like that so but it was kind of like the Pandora's box <laughs> what was the gut feeling Anya it that she probably I had a I felt that she wanted to continue having that conversation, like getting more into it. So you had the gut feeling that because of the time constraints, which I think all of us can relate to, there's just some sessions that will forever feel too short, um, no matter how long they go. But because of the time constraints, you got this gut feeling, "Uh, 
we cut this conversation. This this client wanted and needed more convers more depth or more of this conversation, and we had to. I ha- I had to as the therapist cut it short, cut her short from what she wanted, even though it was well within the expectations of the session. I will say, oh, I was just going to say, I know why it happens, especially if it's something big, a client sharing, it can be hard to talk about it in the beginning of the Mm -hmm. session. When I worked in schools, though, I feel like we always used to joke. We always got like those big stories dropped at like the end of the day on on a Friday every week, I swear. And it feels like sometimes in sessions, again, I understand why it happens. And not to say that anything wrong with that, but it feels like so often these big, big, big giant topics come up with like less than 10 minutes and it's like oh my gosh how do I handle this what am I gonna do what do I do and you have to Mm -hmm. still honor the time and your next client's time it's a very difficult situation and it happens and it comes up but it's really challenging to navigate yeah and it was the first time she had opened up Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. like little things here and there but I knew that that was something significant especially um looking at it from the clinical perspective like in treatment too so and it sounds like you were very much aware that rapport was the key the key uh key intervention at this point she had just transferred Mm -hmm. to you she was having to open up again to a new person and you were like i i fully recognize and understand that that rapport is very important and difficult right now with this client and so clearly cutting a conversation short that impacts not only clinical treat or clinical interventions, but that rapport intervention too. That's a huge, huge deterrent from that. So what did you do? So this was actually also on a Friday as well. Oh, it's a Friday. Uh, I remember it was definitely the <laughs> end of the week. So it was fine. Like I, I thought about it in the moment, moved on. I had a session afterwards and did all my documentation for the day like I usually do. And then once I was done working, I was like, I'll think about this next mm-hmm. week. Um, good boundaries. So I was good, good on boundaries. that. Yeah. Especially in your internship. Then, so proud to hear that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was second semester, but yeah, it was still early on. So I was able to balance a lot easier as well. Um, but I was just ready to go for the weekend. And then it was pretty early on in the week, Monday or Tuesday. I have an email from my supervisor, um, nothing bad at all she was just saying like we're transferring this client is going to be transferred out to this clinician to set up the transfer session things like that and then when I saw the email that's when I reached out immediately directly to find out what was going on even though I already sort of had a feeling um or like who know the reason why right because it was the client's mother of course who called the office and she stated like that she wanted to the mother the mother was actually just as confused um not confused but she definitely wanted to have a conversation with me before we finalized anything because I think I was the third new clinician this um girl had due to because she was um in treatment she was like around for a while like she had been almost I think almost a year maybe a little less though, that she had been having therapy sessions in general. So I was the the third clinician that she had. So I, so the mother was aware that transitioning again can just affect things just as much. But at the end of the day, we were going to respect her wishes, the client's wishes. Um, And that's exactly what we did. And that's exactly what I wanted to honor too. I was just freaking out, questioning my skills Mm -hmm. 
at first, the first thing was that I was like, oh my God, my supervisor, what does my supervisor think? You know, like I know that the shoe doesn't always fit, right? I, we learned that very early on in school um, and that it's okay. And I know it's okay. I know that it just wasn't a definition of of me and my skills at the time, but I just could not believe how early on this happened to me. Like I was still in like my, my internship phases. I hadn't graduated yet. So it was just um, I'm grateful that it happened when it did, that I experienced something like that. And I actually haven't really experienced something like that again, at least like in that capacity. But I'm actually quite shocked that it took you until your second semester to get like, you know, terminated by a client. <laughs> like, I feel like now this was a very, it sounds like not a public, but a very, um, clear termination of with by a client um where sometimes people just will stop showing up Mm -hmm. and that's a little bit more passive but this was a very clear uh, what maybe felt like a rejection um and i'm curious how how did your supervisor respond you were worried about their response how did they respond so my supervisor i love her (laughs) she because she's so upfront um and i knew that off the bat about her so it was not easy for me to like transition that and not take things personal. She's not sometimes, but in the best ways, like the best, best ways, um, um, with tough love, but she was like, everything's fine. It mm. happened. It's like, this is what we're going to do. And like, she guided me through, like, she was like, if you want to talk to her mom, I mean, we kind of sort of had to, but like, you know, just let her know, like about how you feel about, um, is this like, this may be, these are the reasons why it may not be beneficial, but at the end of the day, we're still going to give her what she wants and respect her wishes on that. Um, But she also told me that I was trying too hard to save the situation, basically. Not in a bad way at all, but it was just like, you know, when they say that you're trying more than the client is and things like that, so. Or my question would be, why are you trying are you trying to save it for you or for them right yeah exactly so i was mindful of like she's gonna get another there another therapist that was the the only kind of bad thing but yeah but she was just up front from the beginning my supervisor this raises a really interesting question that i don't think i expected this conversation to go down But it's this question of what, you know, if a client asks to terminate, especially an underage client where, you know, their health care is under the direction of a guardian um, and you and the guardian think it's in the best interest to stay with the current therapist, like that's an ethical dilemma. If the client doesn't want to stay, but they keep switching. um, So it sounds like that was the conversation you had. What's the best for the client to, you know, ask them to remain with you and, and stay consistent? Is this a form of avoidance or or something else that's a that's a, treat, a barrier to treatment, or respect the client's wishes. Yeah, like, we definitely thought about it, like, giving it a chance. But mm-hmm. I do remember, and now that we're talking about this and reflecting on it, I do remember that the, the client was ready, because I remember the, her mother telling me, she was ready to a point of, like, you know, like, I've made this. There was already something that was on her mind, and it just seemed like that was the last straw, mm. what had happened in that session was actually like the that was it but yeah but it just was at the end of the day it just had to do with the rapport and I guess probably the way I 
like my approach and things like that just didn't align Mm -hmm. and things like that so yeah but that's just come what confirmed that Mm -hmm. what the situation that happened is what clearly confirmed everything but it happens like you said let's pause here for a quick ad break so Catherine, do you ever wish that you could just sometimes have a friend to talk to about a book (laughs) actually ellie no no i can't relate to that i've never never really wanted to talk to anyone about something i've read However, I am really excited to meet all of our listeners because you all are invited to our first ever free public book club through the Teletherapist Network. I know. I am a bookworm, so maybe that is more niche to me and my interests, but this still is such an amazing opportunity for us to all connect as a community between the Teletherapist Network, our listeners here on Am I a Bad Therapist, and the book is amazing. We are reading Glow in the Effing Dark, Tara Schuster's highly anticipated second book after her first, Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies. If you haven't read Lilies yet, you need to pick it up. And we're going to read Glow together when it comes out at the end of February. So now is the time to register for free for our free public book club. We are going to be having a private community just for therapists to read and discuss Glow in the Effing Dark together. Together. And as a special treat, Tara Schuster herself is going to join us at the end of March for a private book club discussion with just us. Which is amazing. Like, this does not happen. I hope people can realize, no. like, she is such an incredible author. She's huge. Her books are amazing. And the fact that she's going to join the conversation, even if you've never joined a book club, never really wanted to, this is the one to pick up. This is the one to do. And Allie and I personally cannot wait to meet you inside. So register either in the links below or at teletherapistnetwork.com and we will follow up with more information closer to the community's launch at the beginning of March. Well, let's loop back to the show. Well, I feel like too, it doesn't matter when it happens. Like this was early on for you, but even today, like I'm, I think about eight years, you know, post-grad now it still hurts. It still makes me question if I'm a bad therapist. It still makes me question, like, did I do something wrong? Instead of having that great reflection that comes later of like, well, we aren't the right fit for everybody. Like, personally, I have a very solution-focused approach. Like, I do things in this way. And I've gotten, I think, better the further I get into my career of like, especially in my intake, talking about like my style and trying to see if it's a good fit. But still, sometimes it happens where you start working with someone. And then I feel like it does come up like we talked about earlier, Catherine, like we sometimes you get ghosted and that feels not great. Although sometimes having someone say to your face, it's not fit. I'm like, ooh, that also hurts like no matter what. So it happened to you early on. It still hurts you know, no matter how far you get in, I feel like, but it's just tricky. But I'm also always really proud of a client when they can recognize it's not a good fit. Yeah, I did tell the client in her transition session that I was proud of her for standing up for herself and advocating for herself. Oh, Anya, tell us about this transition session. (laughs) It was actually pretty short. Did we have, I can't remember if her and I had just one more session together before the transition. Because I remember it was the, a quick transition that the, ther- the transitioning therapist and I schedules didn't fully align. So I think she popped in at the end of our session and that's how we did it. But she already had an idea and she knew that she was getting a new therapist already, what was going on. Um, 
And I think, I know that it was definitely a shorter session than usual because I kind of know she just wanted to be mm-hmm. done. Like, she didn't really want to talk to me anymore So about anything. So we were just trying to do all of that off her due diligence um, to do a proper transfer. Um, but I told her, yeah, it was like when, it was just when it was her and I, like, just talking before we the therapist was there. We had, like, a few minutes to ourselves um, where we caught up, checked in, and then. I pretty much talked about that, like, and I kind of tied that into her progress. I forgot to mention earlier, she was also working on self-esteem um, things and things like that. So, and that's tied into that, advocating for yeah. yourself and standing up for yourself and things like that. Definitely. Now, do you feel like that impacted um, how you practice now? Like, I feel like I've learned a bit from every client who might not be the best fit. Like I said, now in my intakes, I talk more about kind of like my style, seeing what the client needs. Um saying like I do say to every client like this is about you and not me so if it's not a good fit like please this is your time and space Mm -hmm. so I know Mm -hmm. I say things now because of my experiences with that do you find that it did impact how you practice now at all it did I think so for sure like I can tell or I don't know if it's like all of us um but I could just tell off one conversation um, even though it hasn't really happened, like I've, I've, I've at least always made it to have a, a session, an intake. And then I think I might've gone and ghosted once. I think that was like ghosted like that, like after a first meeting like that. So, but yeah, it's just, and then in terms of like, like, um, Ali was saying, expressing off the bat, your style, your orientation, um, how you practice and, I do that. And I also always kind of talk about how not only do I talk about how sometimes the shoe doesn't always fit, but I also talk about how therapy isn't forever and that you could be in therapy for one point in your life right now to deal with one thing. And then down the line, Mm -hmm. something else happens in your life and you work on that. And to echo that, one therapist isn't forever. There's many times I work with clients for a longer period of time, and I feel like either I've reached a plateau in what I can offer them or a relationship has become so strong that sometimes they need to shake it up a little bit and see a different therapist with a different viewpoint or rebuild rapport from scratch. Um, And so in that sense, therapy isn't forever and one therapist isn't forever. Who knows? You might be the perfect fit potentially for this client in a different phase of her life. Um, And I think that's also not talked about a lot in our fields that different needs for different times. And we as therapists offer different things in the room. I mean, you know, maybe similar interventions, but we show up differently than other therapists. And I think that's that's the uniqueness of, of what we do. Yeah, it is. I love it. And it's true to what you were saying. I do want to echo that, like, not the same therapist forever either. So. Yeah. And that is the beauty of our field. Mm-hmm. So It reminds me of a few episodes ago. I think, was it Ariana who, the way she said it was that we can be a stepping stone in someone's life. And that has still stuck with me since oh, that episode. Yeah. How it, you know, we can feel like sometimes we are with clients for a long time, but sometimes we can just be that stepping stone to the next step. So that's always stuck with me. It reminds me of just this conversation today that it's okay to be a stepping stone. It's not a bad thing. It's not a failure on your part. You, you, you provided her with that reinforcement and that opportunity to assert herself and ask her what she needs and have the people around her respect what she's requesting and needs. Um, and I, I would say that's a pretty strong stepping stone. It wasn't it wasn't a little a little blip by any means. Yeah, it was definitely that was definitely the positive of the outcome. 
um, in both ways and on my end. I was able to, it's not something that stuck with me for a long time that didn't affect me, like affected my ego for like probably 24, 48 hours. And then, you know, I kind of, yeah, because I knew that it, it happens and mm-hmm. that it's not personal. I, like I, I learned, I'm grateful that I learned, we learned that very early on and it, it, it just really stuck with me. So, oh, just wasn't prepared for the timing. <laughs> Absolutely. And Anya, well, if Anya, oh, I think we're going to say the same thing, Catherine. Why don't you say it? <laughs> if you were to be speaking with or mentoring or consulting with another clinician who may be early on in their career or in internship and had just gotten fired by a client, what, what, what advice would you give them? I would just really reinforce what we learn in school. And I just honestly feel like my story is a huge example of it happening when we um, consult, network, and share stories and normalize the experiences that we've had. That's what makes our community stronger at the end of the day and um, makes us helps our egos too, like our self-esteem with the imposter syndrome and all those things, like avoiding the rabbit hole, getting like not avoiding getting in, <laughs> jumping in at all. So, but reinforcing that it's normal and that especially if it happens very early on. Um, it just kind of, I think it helped me get like some tough skin, actually tougher skin for sure. I love that. That's awesome. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it happens. It's not like we take it personally and it can feel personal, but it, is a part of the process. We can't be the right fit for everybody, nor should we be the right fit for everybody. So I'm just so glad you shared this story today. It's so, so relatable. And like you said, it's worth it to normalize and talk about because it feels like, at least I sometimes feel like, like, oh my gosh, is this only happening to me? I know it's not, but in the moment I'm like, when's last time someone got, you know, fired from a client, but it's so normal. So it happens. So we can't take it too personally. Yeah. Yes. Thank you guys um, for allowing me to share my story on your podcast. Absolutely. And Anya, if listeners want to connect with you off the podcast or connect with you in general, where can they find you? Okay. So I'm on the network for those that are on the teletherapist network. I know we said that um, earlier. Um, I have my Instagram, like my my business slash like um, networking Instagram, uh, ATC Therapeutics on Instagram um, and I also have my website that's www.atctherapeutics.com I can be contacted through there um, via email things like that but also my Instagram so I think that's pretty much it as far as getting in touch with me apart from the network for those on the network. yeah well as always we'll link it in the show notes and again thank you so much for sharing this story today it was such a pleasure talking with you thank you for being with us thank you thank you so so much <laughs> I had a great time. And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. 
You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. 